Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. John Flemister from yes, sir. Uh, Arkansas, uh, originally and still? Absolutely, still here in Little Rock. Uh, you're not allowed to leave Little Rock? <laughs> no, I've been here forever. <laughs> well, never left home. Uh, I visited there. I've never lived there, but uh, a lot of people really, really enjoy it. I think it's a real a real community. Yeah. So get your Very nice back. place to live. Other kinds of things going on. Anyway, John's here to talk about his hobby origin story. But first, I want to thank sponsors, Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Mike's Stadium Sports Cards, as well as Burbank Sports Cards, and ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So, John, you've had a, uh, you've been in the hobby a long time. Uh, I don't know if it's been off and on, or mostly on, or sometimes off. But I remember you and your dad from the, from the '80s. And uh, let, tell me about your hobby origin story, and, and welcome to the show. Well, I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, well, I, like most kids from the '70s, you know, played sports, watched sports, kept up with sports. So the natural progression was just always buying cards. And, you know, anytime I could go mow a yard for 10 bucks and go down to the, I lived in an area where there were grocery stores, convenience stores, gas stations within a bike right away. And so just always collected cars, just was really enamored with just opening up a wax pack with a large piece of gum and sorting through cards and, you know, building sets and trading with, with kids in the neighborhood. And the first year I bought was uh, 75 tops football. And then that eventually went into 76 baseball, but you know, really just anything, Jim, uh, Planet of the Apes, uh, Wacky Packs, uh, Hot Rod Cars, just anything that I could get my hands on. And, of course, for Christmas and birthdays, I always ask for either a set or a box or something and, and just always loved it. And it's just a great hobby. And a lot of the kids in the area were doing it. And so it was just kind of a way just kind of build relationships and hang out and uh, just really collected all throughout the 70s. My dad had always been big into coins. Uh, especially silver, and when the price of silver got uh, pretty high in the late 70s, he kind of latched onto it. We started buying some larger collections and setting up at a flea market or you know just wherever we could you know buy, sell, and trade. And then in 1980, right. we opened up our first store uh, in North Little Rock called the Scorecard, and we were strictly part-time. My dad was an accountant by profession, and uh, just big enough space to you know put in some showcases and some shelving and and just stocked it as best we could, and we were or we were off and running. We were open just two days during the week, and then all day on Saturday. Was that all cards, mostly cards, or still some uh, gold and silver? No, it was strictly cards, supplies. Uh, we had a good relationship with a local candy wholesaler, and so we were able to to you know have all the new product in stock. And then we ran ads throughout the state, buying collections, and went on a lot a lot of uh, wild goose chases and chased down a lot of rabbits. But we did you know score some pretty nice collections and you know that kind of got us going and so we carried both new and old product uh, along with supplies what i I knew your dad was smart but uh, was he so smart that he got out of silver before it crashed (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think it was just you know a little bit of a little bit of good timing uh good fortune but yeah silver did uh, take a pretty pretty good drop there afterwards and so uh, he was fortunate to have cashed out and so we had some a little bit of capital to work with, and he had, had always, you know, been a sports fan. And he actually grew up in a little railroad community called Dupo, Illinois, right across the river from St. Louis. And him and his brother, from the time they were about in eighth grade, would take the train over into St. Louis and sell concessions out in the uh, bleachers. And they got in a pretty good with the with the head guy there. And as soon as they hit their quota, he would just let them watch all the baseball they wanted. And he saw just tons of baseball there at Old Sportsman's Park. So he had a real affinity for baseball, and but never really collected any, never collected anything. 
but he saw that I had a real interest in it. So it kind of, uh, it was a good marriage and, uh, you know, just allowed us to kind of, you know, share the hobby together. What was the, again, this is uh, music to my ears and, uh, and it's a, it's a great story. What was the division of labor? You know, in some of the father-son hobby experiences, the, the dad is the, well, it's just, let me just hear what your, what your division of labor was. What did you do? What did yeah, you do? it was, it, it was very interesting. Honestly, I was in the seventh grade, eighth grade when we opened. And during the summers, I just ran it by myself. And he had a full-time job as an accountant. It's kind of interesting. Next to us was a barber shop. And this gentleman had, had cut my hair and my dad's hair, and my grandfather's hair forever. And so he kind of watched, you know, he'd sneak in every once in a while, just peek his head in the door just to see if I was doing okay or if I need to change. But come to find out, he was one of the biggest bookies in North Little Rock. And there were always tons of guys in there, <laughs> you know, placing their bets. And But everybody just kind of looked the other way. And so we had a lot of guys that would, you know, come in because of their interest in sports. And we actually bought several collections from guys that just were coming in to either get their hair cut or to <laughs> place a bet. And and so it worked out pretty good. He kind of watched over me while I was there by myself and just never really had any issues. And then my dad would work with me on Saturday. Well, it sounds like your dad trusted you and it was a good bonding experience and that's great. But the other part of this that other that listeners might be wondering about is because you're, you're a collector too. Your dad, not as much. Uh, when you're right. in the shop and you're buying collections and getting stuff, I mean, how difficult was it for you to, were you putting some things back of saying, hey, dad, I want that for my collection? <laughs> Or were you kind of reselling things that came in, marking them up and, and letting them go? Well, there was a lot of temptation for sure. At that time, I was primarily just collecting stuff from the 70s. And so that's how I built a lot of my sets. But occasionally there would be something that would come in and I'd usually just take, you know, instead of a paycheck, I'd just take it and store credit. And he'd let me pick out a few things. So I was able to pick up quite a, quite a few older cards that way as well. But uh, generally, I knew the store needed it more than I did. And because uh, we were the only store in town. And so we, it was, you know, and then we were getting to do some shows. And so it was imperative, you know, we kept it stocked. And so I, we worked out a, a pretty good arrangement there. Were you, I mean, you're, uh, I know you mentioned to me that 57 Tops was, a, was near and dear to you. And that either, you know, that that's, that that's a key set for you. But at what point did you branch out from collecting these 70 sets to either move to older, which it sounds like you did that, or to newer? I mean, are you... What's your current collecting interest? Yeah, I pretty much stop around the 80, 81 mark and, and work my way back. I'm, I've got uh, complete sets from 73 to 80 right now and then partials of 70 through 72. So I'm a set builder, you know, just picking them up one at a time. And uh, it takes longer, but uh, that's just the way I prefer. And then big Cardinals fans so always on the lookout for Musils and Brocks and Gibsons. But the the 57 set is just one of those sets that I just always liked. And uh, just the design and the, the purity of the set just, I don't know, it just really resonated with me. And all the Hall of Famers and, of course, Brooks Robinson is from Little Rock and his rookie card is in that set. And so I just always liked the 57s. In fact, one thing that's kind of always piqued my interest with that set, when, when we were in our first store, we moved to a bigger location in 1982 and we had a complete 57 set in one of those old 400 count boxes. But somehow in that move, that set disappeared. And uh, so I've just always, it's just been kind of a goal of mine to, to recreate that set, to build it myself. And I'm down to less than 20 cards and working on it for about five years now. And uh, so I'm getting close, but I just always like that set. 
you know, I did too. And it's, you know, we did an episode on that and it got, and a lot of people like that because it's, it's just, it's one of Rich Klein's favorite sets. But, you know, for right. being around back in the day, uh, one of the frustrations, I was living in the, in the uh, Pittsburgh area at that time. And basically, Stan Musial was not in the set. Right. And that was a downer, you know, because he was a huge star. Oh. He was probably toward, toward the end of his career, but still a great, great player. He was from Denora, you know, outside Pittsburgh. And so he was popular even there. And we were mystified as young people. And then finally, he got back on the tops, got into tops with, the, you know, in late 58. But as With a the all card. Yeah, as a Cardinal fan, you're probably thinking, what, why? You've got all these great players in there, Brooks, Sandy Koufax, you know, Mantle, Mays, Aaron Clemente, all these great players. Where's Musial? Ted Williams is there. So, yeah. Um, well, and also, you know, Harmon Killebrew, you know, he was left out. He was, he was, his rookie was 55. He had a 56 card, but apparently he got sent down late in 56 or whatever, and they didn't include him. And then, you know, the other one, Roger Maris, you yeah. know, he played 116, 117 games in 1957. I thought he warranted a card as well. But just think of those three players would have been in there in addition to what was there. I mean, just, I don't know, you know, kind of the set that could have been, but still a great set. Well, what, what other stuff are you trying to uh, collect? I mean, are you going to shows or popping in on the national uh, anymore and having a one? No, I mean, of course, with the COVID stuff, most of the shows around here are pretty much shut down. So anything we're doing is online, but I haven't been to the national in a while. But generally, I just pick up things online. There's some Facebook groups that you can, uh, I've gotten involved with that's helped out. And then there's just some guys around town that I know that are still collecting various things and we'll, we'll get together, you know, every once in a while. Any other sets that you're looking for? Or, I mean, you're- yeah, I'm going to kind of gotten started on the 63. I really like that set as well. I know uh, Rich Klein had said that his favorite was the 67, which to me, that's my second favorite set, but I've always liked the 63. And so out of the 50s, the 57 was my favorite set. Now the 60s, the 63 was my favorite set. So I guess the end goal is to have a 57, a 63, and then all the 70 sets. And then I'll just, you know, go on to something else. Yeah, I, I think it's, did you, again, I just think it's kind of interesting. Uh, my experience was going from a hobbyist to a person in business and then trying now to go back to being a hobbyist. It sounds like right. kind of your journey that you started out as a kid, you're collecting, and all of a sudden you're in the business with your dad and you do that for a decade or so. Was that? Yeah, we ended up opening two more stores and we were in business from 1980 to 1994. And uh, so we had, we had three, three locations. And then now you just consider yourself a, a hobbyist or to, to what extent is your, is your hobby that you have now cash flow neutral? Or are you just kind of still accumulating? No, I'm still just accumulating as I go. If I see something I like that's within my budget, you know, I'll go ahead and make a plunge and I, you know, I've got a, certain amount that I allocate towards my hobby and I just try to stick with that. And so I really don't, really don't have any issues there. Well, that's, I mean, you're a little bit like, I mean, you'd be extremely exemplary for what the collectors were of those times that we both lived through that people, absolutely. they either work their way forward or back. And generally most savvy people to give each of us a pat on the back, work their way back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what I found when we first opened is, is that we had a lot of guys that had rediscovered their collections yeah. from the fifties. And, but that was also the same time when Fleer and Donruss came on the scene and the hobby was really exploding. And so we had a lot of guys that were crossing over that were completing older sets, but got caught up in the, the newer product at the time. And so I think today there's more of a delineation. You've either got people that are strictly vintage 
And then you've got guys that are strictly, you know, new product. But we saw quite a bit of crossover back in the early 80s. Well, that's a good note to end on. Thanks, John. I mean, I basically think that's exactly what the hobby is. Part of the appeal is that you can, you can be, it can be a hobby of nostalgia and it can be a hobby of what's the latest and the greatest and, and each can enjoy. And I kind of enjoy both. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I've, always, I've, I've always think, I've always said collect what you like. Another good note to end on. Thanks, John Flemister, for your involvement over the years. And I'd like to get you back on and talk about some other uh, things we have in common in, in, in some of our experiences back in the day. So thanks, John. Thanks, listeners. You're welcome. Again tomorrow with another episode.